Good morning. It's Esti Schreiber here from SA Natural Products, the home of living naturally. And with me in the studio is Dr. David Nadia. Hello, Dr. David. Hello, Esti. Great to be back again. Welcome to part one of our three-part series on the wonderful topic of pregnancy. So just to go straight into it, we are now pregnant. Today is about that time, those nine months that a woman is pregnant. How soon is it possible after your body has fallen pregnant that a a test will show a positive? How soon? Yeah, well, look, it just depends on the test that you do. But really sensitive tests, they can actually measure um, up to eight days after conception. So conception obviously is when the, the, the sperm meets the egg. And so hormones are then started to be uh, produced. So your really sensitive test can do that up to eight days. So it's pretty quick. What does this test do? What is it sensing? So you're measuring uh, beta HCG, which is a substance that is produced once conception has taken place. Blood tests are 99% accurate. So certainly even the urine tests now are very, very accurate. So you get this beta HCG in urine? Correct. Yeah, so yeah it's you'll in find your it blood? in urine and you'll find it in blood. Okay. But um, so your urine test is obviously far more convenient to do at home. Um, but even around about three to four days after implantation, so that's when the, um, the embryo is implanted into the uterus now, you can start picking this up. And we'll run about six to ten days after fertilization has taken place. So it just depends on, 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 on when you measure. So don't go and waste your pregnancy test a day or two or three after conception when you think that you've fallen pregnant. Yeah. Wait about a week yes. or ten days at least, maybe two weeks, before you start testing. Yes. So that is the ideal. Correct. Okay, so now, now we've learned we are pregnant. You as the mom, you as the woman that's pregnant, what is the first thing that you should be doing right now? Obviously, there's the realization sets in as you go along. Instinctively, most uh, mothers, expecting mothers, would, would start educating themselves on what to do and when. And, and I find a lot of patients, um, for a lot of patients, this can actually be quite overwhelming. Yes. Because they read every book and they go and they Google everything online and... Um, and it, it can be a situation where you actually have a bit of information overload. And that can be distressing and that can actually be counterproductive. You know, I always say to patients when the baby arrives, it doesn't come with an instruction manual. <laughs> you know, the, but you have to also trust your instincts. Yes. So there's a lot of information out there. Gather the information, start educating yourself, but make sure you're using reliable sources of information. And when you're not sure, then you ask your healthcare practitioner for advice. Is this now right there at the beginning? When should you be seeing your homeopath and your gynecologist? Well, this is, it's variable. So initially you would need, if you want to go and do a blood test, of course, you would need to make contact with them. Um, and a lot of my patients will contact me and I'll just send them for a test at that stage. I won't necessarily see them. Um, so at that point in time, it's usually just about testing. And what do you test? So then you're just going to, well, at that stage, you're just confirming the pregnancy with okay. the blood. Are you not already testing her iron levels right there? And and it's a little bit early. You could, you could. Um, but normally that's done a little bit later. But, um, you know, if you, depends on the patient, of course. If there's a history of anemia, well, of course, you want to look at these things earlier. Um, but in most cases, uncomplicated, where there's no uh, medical history, then initially it's just a test to see if, if they're positive, and you can recommend that they, they book their gynae appointments, um, and so the process goes on. So, But most of the time at that point, you're just confirming the pregnancy. 
Okay. So if they now we 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 are pregnant, we've confirmed it. Now it is a matter of what should I be eating? What should I be drinking? Are there any supplements I must take? Do I immediately go for the pregnancy supplements? Folic acid is now important. Is folic acid important um from the word go or do you f- first have to have a test? It's probably not a bad idea to supplement folic acid in any in any pregnancy um and we know that deficiencies in folic acid can can lead to things like neural tube defects so that's the formation of the spinal cord so that's definitely one of the important um supplements to be taking but of course iron is another one especially if there's a history or a risk of anemia um that's another really important one but most of your antenatal multivitamins will cover all the basics um but the probably uh iron and folic acid are certainly two of the most important ones that you want to make sure you're not short of okay so now when you're now taking them your quality of folic acid the quality of iron is very important you don't just want to take anyone so the quality of iron i know that certain iron tablets can make you very constipated and a woman doesn't want that so ideal iron would be what do you what do we call them so you want to use a chelated iron uh, or like a ferrous fumarate or ferrous citrate these are the forms of iron that are more easily absorbed ferrous fumarate fumarate or a citrate or a chelate whereas like a ferrous sulfate um those are pretty tough so that's what you avoid so if the label says ferrous sulfate rather not that that could be an issue okay not in all cases but you know your others are, are usually easily absorbed okay. and more gentle on the digestive tract a a brand that i really like as an iron tonic is floridix formula that to me because it's plant based the body absorbs it understands it um it it by availability is good and then of course we have to with biostrathin yeah you have to from before you've even fallen pregnant you want to be on your biostrath because biostrath listen to this is so important in regulating the whole body from head to toe and the one thing that they've seen in a study that was published in 2018 said and showed how biostrath is able to absorb iron this this very difficult mineral that the body can't just absorb by itself when you take your biostrath with your iron supplement you will absorb that iron supplement at least 5.75 times better So that is a must. You want to be on Biostrath from the word go. Biostrath has also been shown in a clinical study that they did. I think it was done in Canada, if I remember correctly, where um, they did it on pregnant ladies, and they measured the woman's hemoglobin levels before uh, pregnancy, during pregnancy, and afterwards. And the women that were on Biostrath, the hemoglobin levels stayed stable throughout the pregnancy. It was only one lady who had a problem and a compromised level, and she. Rec- required an iron supplement with the biostrath and the reason why was because she was diabetic so her body was compromised and that caused her to have to use an iron supplement with the biostrath so it it's a must 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 supplement there's one supplement that a pregnant woman needs to know about and a new mum needs to know about when a baby is born it's biostrath you can take it safely right throughout the pregnancy immediately afterwards and you can give it to your newborn baby as well from day 1 right through for the rest of their lives and you will be doing them the biggest favor and give them the greatest gift because this product aids in the absorption of nutrients gives your body nutrients and brings order and balance in every single cell what greater gift 
We've got the first trimester now here. The lady has fallen pregnant. For the first few weeks, you might feel all on top of the world because, wow, this is now a new experience. But it's more a matter of thinking it in your head, but you're not yet seeing it in your body until one morning. And that morning is when you wake up and you're feeling yuck. You've got morning sickness. You are not yourself. You've got this funny sensation in your belly. It's as if some for some ladies it feels like everything is pushing down and it's heavy. You want to close your legs. That's the sensation that some women will get. Um, for some, smells start to become uh, things that they used to love, the smell of, of frying onions in the kitchen and an egg cooking. Now they can't handle that, that odor. They run out the house and it's like you never allowed to make onion cooking in this house again. Um, your husband's aftershave becomes too strong. Um, you change the soap in the bathroom because it stinks. Everything is hypersensitive. And you nauseous. Some women, it's as bad as that they have to vomit. And for other women, it's just this nauseous feeling and a discomfort that just doesn't want to go away day and night, any time of the day. It's not just a morning thing. It is all day long. What do we do for them? And why does this happen? So, yeah, so it's, it typically happens. A couple of things happen at the same time. The morning sickness, the sensitivity to smell, and even cravings can happen during that time as well. And it, although research isn't 100% sure as to the origin of this, it's largely attributed to those rising levels of HCG that we mentioned earlier. So that's the, one of the main factors that they attribute to this. Uh, also, estrogen levels are escalating rapidly as well. And then also low blood sugar is something that seems to aggravate the problem. So if you don't keep your blood sugar level steady, when you have a sugar low, the nausea becomes more intense. So the secret from that point of view is to just don't wait till it happens. It's to preempt those lows and to do, you know, when you eat rather graze throughout the day as opposed to having bigger meals. And then um, you have all sugary meals where your sugar levels go really high and then they crash down again. Don't have those. So you want to keep low glycemic index foods, um, foods that are sustainable, that keep your sugar levels steady. Um, and, of course, the other things that can worsen it, stress, being overtired, uh, motion sickness. Obviously, if you're driving on a windy road, that can definitely make you worse. And then, of course, the, the smells can actually aggravate the nausea as well. We've touched on that. So... They seem to go hand in hand. Fortunately, this is something that happens relatively early in that first trimester. Um, and it sparks around about, especially the cravings, into the second trimester. But um, usually it's short-lived. It shouldn't, it's not common for it to go all the way through pregnancy, although it's not unheard of to have morning sickness in the third trimester. Um, but usually it's right in the beginning, as you said. Is there a remedy that can help? Is there something that you – because if you go to your gynecologist, um, they will give you a, a drug that they say if it's really bad, take this drug. What do you recommend as a homeopath? Because you want to limit your, your any chemical going into your body now at all cost. For sure. So it, you have to distinguish between basic morning sickness and something called hyperemesis gravidarum. So hyperemesis gravidarum is when you're vomiting all day – Everything you put in comes straight out. That is a threatening situation yes. for the mother and the child where you're keeping nothing down. So that is extreme and that warrants medical supervision uh, and that may require medications of sorts, rehydration and all those You'll things. You'll be hospitalized usually. Yeah. So that is a complication of pregnancy. So, But the average patient doesn't get there. They just have the nausea, as you've said. 
Um, and in homeopathy, there are a variety of remedies for morning sickness. And it depends on what the mother shows as symptoms. The picture of the case, so the, the individual case. So the, although there's some common symptoms, so some mothers might say to you, I have the nausea every time I smell uh, something cooking or meat cooking, or yes. then that points to one remedy. If, if she says, I have uh, nausea from um, the, uh, the smell of coffee, or I have um, and a craving for this at the same time, it's a picture, a unique picture. And then the homeopath chooses a remedy that matches that picture. And if the, if the lady says to you, I can't keep anything in, I'm so nauseous, but I'm also feeling down. I am emotionally, I should be elated with this pregnancy and I don't like it. They want to use the words that I feel depressed and I don't like being pregnant and I don't want this now to happen and why is this happening to me and they're tearful with it and I just feel like they're in a very dark space. That will be a different remedy again. Yes, so we always take into account the, the emotional symptoms that accompany the physical symptoms. So in that scenario you described is a classic sepia scenario. Sepia, interesting, also has that feeling like you've got to cross your legs, like everything's going to fall, fall out. out. <laughs> everything's heavy down in the pelvis. So that's a, it's a very, very important remedy in pregnancy and in many gynecological conditions as well. This is what's so important about when you see the homeopath. You've got to tell the homeopath how you feel. You've got to give the full picture. When the homeopath's got the full picture, they can choose the remedy so accurately. They can get the potency right and the, the dosage correct, and then the results are quick. And they are so effective So it's important When you see a homeopath Don't just sit there and wait for them to ask the questions Give them the full picture Of how you are feeling in this moment It's best to see a homeopath for it But if you want to try a remedy first Natura Margin Drops Is what you can use It's safe to use in the pregnancy Homeopathic medicines are quite safe to use during pregnancy And you just take 10 drops And you take it as often as you require it But the key thing is not to allow your tummy to be empty So if it means that you've got a nibble on Provitas with Marmite That's what you do You're nibbling on um, pieces of boltong Or sticks of carrots and that Just make sure there's something that you're eating constantly And that your tummy is never empty the morning sickness And this this usually lasts As you say For the first three months And then it just disappears Or if the remedy is right It can disappear in that moment It can be as quick as in a day That you feel better With homeopathic medicine What are the things That you do not do? I think there, there are some Very clear cut no's I also think that you You also need to realize That being pregnant You are not frail necessarily either So although there are some Outright do nots um, there are many things that you can do while you're pregnant still. So if you're looking from a dietary point of view, yeah. um, the outright do-nots, number one on top of the list is alcohol. There's no safety studies that show what is the safe amount of alcohol in pregnancy. That We don't know that. Um, what we do know is that even small quantities of alcohol in pregnancy can cause all sorts of complications. Uh, I mean, you just have to go and look at something called fetal alcohol syndrome. And the impact that has tr developmentally, I mean, it can cause um, facial anomalies in an unborn child, all sorts of psychological problems. Um, it can cause early labor. So alcohol is a definite no-no. I think a lot of people think that, oh, if they have a small amount, it's okay. But there isn't actually a study that says small amounts are okay. Um, and there are reports of fetal alcohol syndrome, even in pregnant mothers who drink very little alcohol. So... It's a very dangerous thing to do. So that's the first thing. And of course... So cut it out. Yeah, there shouldn't be any alcohol. Um, 
The the other thing that um, is a definite no-no is smoking in pregnancy, and we know that that can lead to all sorts of things. Smaller babies, earlier labor, um, can harm the placenta, which feeds the, the, the unborn unborn child. So smoking is definitely um, uh, out as well. Uh, large amounts of caffeine are not great. Um, it's quite interesting because the caffeine easily passes through the placenta, and um, when it reaches the other side, on the baby side, there aren't actually the enzymes yet to break it down properly in place. So you actually have this buildup of caffeine. Which, So if it's a cup a day only and you think, oh, well, what can one cup do? There could be a buildup of caffeine in the placenta. So that is certainly something you don't want. So those are some of the common ones. And um, so sugar? those are the outright sugar. Look, I mean, it depends on what volumes you're having. And... Um, you don't want your blood sugar levels to spike. As we said just now, you want to keep your sugar levels steady. Um, and certainly, if you've got a family history of diabetes or uh, or you're in a previous pregnancy, you had gestational diabetes, you should be really, really putting the brakes on refined carbohydrates and sugar during your pregnancy. And, of course, it's go- it's going to actually, certainly, it's going to irritate or affect your morning sickness, certainly in that first few weeks. And then the other no will be, obviously, medication. Yeah, medicines, yeah. And I think people people become so used to just um, popping a paracetamol here and there or an aspirin there or here and there. It's over the counter. You can get it anywhere. And I think there's no harm in these things. But um, pregnant or not, you shouldn't just be having these things indiscriminately. But certainly during pregnancy, you actually should not be taking any medication unless it's prescribed by your doctor, unless it's absolutely necessary. Um, and for most of the common ailments in pregnancy, there are alternative remedies such as homeopathic remedies. There, there isn't a need to take even a paracetamol when you have a plethora of homeopathic remedies which could help, for example, a headache or a backache or nausea, as we've said, um, or constipation or heartburn. Save the medication for the really serious stuff that happens, if it does, uh, rather than just taking any old medication without checking your doctor first. The medicine is a big thing. The other thing that I wanted to mention is um, uncooked food. So raw eggs, okay, so you run the risk of no salmonella, sauce, yeah. no hollandaise sauce, so um, uncooked meat, um, could, you could pick up all sorts of things, uh, something to think about, um, sushi, probably not a good idea in pregnancy either, potential risk of parasites, and even if you, you know, fish is so healthy, and it has so many health benefits, but there's certain types of particularly predatory fish that are higher up in the food chain, and they retain uh, heavy metals. Yeah, like your tuna. Tuna is an example. Um, you've got to be careful with fish in pregnancy. There are certain types that typically don't build up um, uh, high levels of heavy metals, but there are other classic ones, um, like, for example, a swordfish and mackerel and types of tuna. Certainly, the predator fish like shark, and you shouldn't be eating those, but I don't know if we'll be eating many of those. <laughs> Marlin, these are all fish that eat lots of other fish, okay. and therefore these levels build up. So you've got to be careful about metals. Um, and if you are going to take fish oils, of course, as a supplement, it has to be certified heavy metal free. Otherwise, you're actually going to do yourself more harm than good. Fresh produce, make sure you wash them properly. You, you know, you don't want to pick up things through that. Cheese. Uh, Cheese, uh, well, certainly unpasteurized milk could be a risk, uh, so you got to be a little bit careful. And they say brie and camembert and any cheese that that grows a fungus, like blue cheese and that, you should not be having that. 
because it carries something that your, your unborn can't deal with. I'm not sure what it is. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. But look, at the end of the day, you, 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 on the other hand, you are a lot tougher than you think and your body has protective mechanisms in place. So I don't think we need to put ourselves in a bubble, but I think we do need to avoid the things we definitely know are high risk, of course. And I think these are, uh, these are probably, there are one or two more, but these are probably the most important ones that, um, that we've mentioned so far. Yeah, so if you want to have fish, rather have your freshwater trout. Yeah, yes. That'll be, that'll be safe Good and, and fine. And you're having your cheese, have your feta, have your piece of cheddar now and then, but uh, rather have cottage cheese. Uh, Ricotta, much, yeah. Yeah, much safer for you. Mozzarella, absolutely fine for you. But stay away from anything that's growing mold. I've heard about I'm not 100% sure, but I'm sure people can go and Google it, that you should avoid soft cheeses like that, the one that grows a... Um, a little covering around it. Those are the don'ts, the do's, the things that you have to do. In my opinion, tell me if I'm right or wrong or add in here. You must ensure that you drink enough water, that you're keeping your bowels open and um, body healthy by eating the healthy food. Eat the food that nature gives us. Have lots of fresh fruit, fresh vegetables. Don't make them complicated with too many spices and sauces and things. Have them plain, steam it. Uh, a baked potato, the body can handle it. I've never heard of a woman saying, oh, I can't handle potatoes since I've been pregnant. I can't have a, handle a carrot and potato that you cook together have a little bit of butter and herbamare on it, you can have that. So ensure that you're eating a balanced, healthy diet. This is now crucial because everything you eat, your baby's eating with you. My mom always used to say to me, Esty, when you are feeling that you've got to sit, sit. If you feel you need to lie down now, lie down. Listen to your body, especially in that first trimester. It's a big change that's happening. You are pregnant. And your body is adapting to it. There are millions of cells that are now being produced inside of you. This all needs to be brought under control so that this child can form properly. And that miracle that is busy happening in you just needs you to give it some time. And that's what that, those first three months is about. So, yes, you are pregnant. You're not ill. But if you're tired, lie down. If you feel, I can't sit right now, it's going to make it worse, find a spot just to put your head down for a little bit and allow your body just to go through that wave. It will pass and then carry on. But also ensure that you get enough fresh air, that you're outside. Bringing a child into the world, you've got to be strong. You've got to be fit. And you can't now become sedentary and sit and allow everybody now to do everything for you. You've got to carry on doing things. Don't go and pick up heavy things. You don't need to do that. Somebody else can do that. But you can still prepare the meals, carry on making up the bed. Um, uh, if you've got another sibling already at home, taking care of the other child. Th that is not a problem, but it is to listen to what your body has to say. So there are a few very important people that a pregnant woman needs to have in her life while she's pregnant. She's got to know who a gynecologist is. She's got to have her homeopath. And those two people need to know of one another. So they know what the other one does and they can see each other's blood tests and um, all the screens and the scans that are being done. And then the people that you surround yourself with to help you in this pregnancy and thereafter. So if you are as fortunate as what I was, I had my mom with me. She walked the pregnancy with me. She supported me through it. My husband supported me through it. Surround yourself with these people. Who are they? But seeing a homeopath, making an appointment, seeing a homeopath and seeing a gynecologist, when do we do that? 
So the first appointment should be before 10 weeks. It's usually between six and eight weeks. That's with the gynae. And then, um, and then it's usually every four weeks up to week 28 of the pregnancy. And then every two weeks from week 28 to week 38. And then weekly when you, from 38 weeks. Because 38 weeks you're right at the end and you see the, the gynae weekly. So that's tip, that's on average the typical scheme or frequency of consultations for an uncomplicated pregnancy with a gynecologist. Um, and of course if anything comes up during that time then it, the, you know, the schedule could change. But on average, that's normally the, the schedule. Um, for, certainly for my patients, um, I often see them or we'll, we'll diagnose a pregnancy, then I'll refer to the gynecologist, and then um, they'll normally see me in between for the, for the day-to-day uh, ailments. So maybe if they've got back pain or if they've got heartburn or they're constipated or morning sickness, then I'll see them in between, the, in between those visits. Okay, but, and what are the blood tests that you would recommend on week six to ten, so the the gynae will always do a panel of tests, um, and there are a few important things that they look for there. They, if they don't already know, or if you don't already know your blood type, they need to know that because if you are rhesus negative um, as a mother, there are certain things that you need to do, um, and of course they will check your your hemoglobin levels, make sure that you're not anemic. They'll make sure you don't have any sexually transmitted infections. They'll obviously check your HIV status usually as well, um, blood sugar levels, and then, of course, depends on your medical history. So if you are a thyroid person, they're obviously going to recheck your thyroid. If you have uh, blood sugar problems or blood pressure, there's going to be more focus on those uh, on those parameters. But if you are well and healthy, there's a standard barrage or battery of tests that they do, um, and that's just to give you uh, a, a benchmark um, to make sure that you reduce the likelihood of developing any problems further down the line. And what do you want to know as a homeopath? For me, definitely I would want to know, from a blood test point of view, I would want to know what their iron status is like. For me, that's really important. Um, but a proper full iron studies test, especially if they've had another pregnancy recently, so within the last year, um, and or if multiple pregnancies. Also, if they're in much younger um, patients as well, you definitely want to check on that. Or if there's a history of anemia. So that I'd like to know. Obviously, I'd, I'd like to see their thyroid function. Um, I'd like to see their, um, their, their body's ability to control blood sugar. And I would, in some cases, be looking at their adrenal function as well, um, especially in cases where I've assisted patients to, to conceive, then I'd often will make sure adrenal function is really good. Um, and yeah, so those, and then full blood counts will probably always be a, a good idea to have a look at as well. Um, but o- there will always be one or two unique things that you need to check. So it's but person on average, to person. Yeah, it's person on person. So it's important, but it, what is crucially important is so many women believe that all they need to have is just a gynecologist. I want to encourage you to make sure that you see your homeopath too. There's so much that a homeopath can do to help you to make this pregnancy much more comfortable and what they look out for. It's not just a matter of hemoglobin. You look at your ferritin levels, your iron ferritin levels in your body. And that is, that is, 
absolutely important to the development of this unborn baby's brain. And um, if you go and listen to previous podcasts that we've done on the thousand days of life, you will hear, and you can go and read the article on it too, where the importance of iron in the brain in the first thousand days of this child's life. And the thousand days starts the day the child is conceived up until the age of two. And when that window is closed, it's closed for life. And there is a difference that you can make in your unborn baby's life right now by ensuring that not just hemoglobin levels are normal, but that your iron ferritin levels are normal. And that's what you've got to ask for. So the, 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 the question that you ask your gynecologist to test is the? You do an iron study. It's iron called study. iron studies. It's a full panel okay. of assessment. So that is what we do in the first trimester. So this concludes part one of our three-part series on pregnancy. Be sure to listen to part two where we discuss the second trimester and then the third trimester and the birthing process in part three of our pregnancy podcasts.